Hoosier United Methodist Podcast, episode number 35, with Bishop Julius Calvin Tremble. Prayers to be faithful more than successful, and so sometimes I've been accused of, of, of trying to be neutral, and my desire is not to be neutral, but to be faithful. Hi, this is Bob Walters, author of The Last Missionary. You are connected with the Hoosier United Methodist podcast with Dr. Brad Miller, doing all the good we can. Welcome to the Hoosier United Methodist podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. Brad believes that a strong connection in the United Methodist Church is essential to achieving the mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. The Hoosier United Methodist podcast will help you and your church connect with key insights, hear inspiring stories, and learn from successful pastors and people making a difference in United Methodist churches in Indiana. And now, here's Brad. Hello, good people, and welcome to the Hoosier United Methodist Podcast with Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. That's me. I'm Brad Miller, a local pastor in the state of Indiana, and the purpose of our Hoosier United Methodist Podcast is all about strengthening the connection in the United Methodist Church in the state of Indiana for the express purpose of lifting up and enhancing and meeting our mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And we do that by telling stories of the pastors and the people and the ministries and the churches in the Indiana Conference of the United Methodist Church. And today we have a very special guest on episode number 35 of the Who's United Methodist podcast. It's Bishop Julius Tremble. Bishop Tremble is uh, celebrating his first year as the bishop of the Indiana area. He's been a bishop for a number of years, serving in Iowa before coming to Indiana. And in our podcast conversation today, we have a conversation rather in-depth about his understanding, what he's learned about the Indiana area of the United Methodist Church. I want you to look for some of the particular things he's learned about every single county in our state and some of his observations and what his vision and mission and and looking forward to the future in our church, in our state. And he lifts up some of the particular ministries that are happening that he's observed and some of the glory sightings that he's had and some of the ways that he's been involved with the church here in our state. And certainly above and beyond that, he's written extensively and commented extensively about social issues that are going on in the world and in our, in our state. And in our conversation, we also talk about the issues that are happening in our United Methodist Church, about a way forward as we deal with issues regarding homosexuality and other things that are challenges in the church. And we talk about his understanding of the nature of the church itself and how there's a call, what he believes is a call for unity and for oneness and a preferred movement that it is all about building relationships and uh, building relationships that starts individually and extends on to transforming the world. You're going to hear what he feels is the key issues for bringing things together in our church and his commitment to social issues, his commitment to issues of dealing with issues of hunger and justice and other issues of the like. He, has, uh, he, he talks a lot uh, in our conversation about his belief in possibilities and his encouragement 
to be an encourager to, of others, of pastors and of people and of local churches, and how this is, means to being a civil person and being uh, understanding and tolerant of, of one another. And that uh, our church, the United Methodist Church in Indiana and beyond, has something to offer in terms of relationships, and we should do so without apology. And that that is a source of, of great strength. I think you're going to like our conversation, and it goes to, at some length. And, and I believe you're going to learn a lot about, uh, about, about Bishop Trimble and about his passion for the church and passion for the people of United Methodist Church and his passion for unity and oneness and how he believes indeed that we all indeed are children of a most high God. That's what we have in store for you here on the Hoosier United Methodist Podcast today. You can always uh, check out check out our podcast at our website, which is HoosierUnitedMethodist.com, and on iTunes and on Stitcher and other places, which you can check us out. We hope that you will. And we also have, uh, you can check us out maybe on our newsletter as well, and you can subscribe to that through our website. We have a gift for you there as well called the the Wesleyan Way, a video presentation that you can use in your local churches. That's some of the things we have got going on here at the Hoosier United Methodist Podcast, where we bring you the stories of the United Methodist Church in the state of Indiana, strengthening the connection as we extend, as we look to fulfill our mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Our guest today, Bishop Julius Trimble. Well, uh, ministry goes back for me as uh, far back as high school. When I first hit a call to ministry, I'm originally from Chicago. Came out of a, a small membership congregation in the uh, in the city of Chicago, and uh, my pastor, in fact, encouraged a lot of young people not only to go to Methodist camps. So I went to Methodist camps, but also to, also to consider uh, uh, the call to ministry. And so uh, I began that journey then, uh, but I was ordained uh, as a United Methodist minister in, in the Chicago area, served there several congregations, and then transferred to uh, East Ohio, the Cleveland area, where I served as a United Methodist pastor um, in several congregations and as a district superintendent. Uh, and after serving as a superintendent, I returned to Aldersgate United Methodist Church in Warrensville Heights, Ohio, and served there for five years and was elected a bishop in 2008. So uh, I've been a pastor, um, I guess, almost uh, 35 years now, and uh, um, I've been a bishop since 2008. I was assigned to the state of Iowa, the Iowa area, where I served for eight years, and then uh, after the retirement of the bishop here in Indiana, Bishop Cornier. I was assigned here to Indiana. It will be almost uh, September 1 will be my uh, my anniversary of one year of service in the Indiana area. And we have enjoyed uh, this transition uh, for lots of reasons, uh, ministry reasons, but also family reasons, because this is the closest we've lived. Uh, my wife and I, we have aging parents. Uh, my mother's still alive and her dad is still alive. And so we now live about three hours from their home. Uh, which is the closest we've lived in, in, in quite a while. Makes your family life a little more uh, manageable then. Right, a lot, lot more manageable. Uh, yeah. uh, well, what have you learned about the state of the church in the state of Indiana in your almost year that you've been 
Well, when I came to Indiana, I uh, said that I wanted to spend significant time paying attention, visiting the, the uh, 10 districts uh, and uh, counties of Indiana and engaging, in local, engaging with local congregations as well as our mission. One, one thing I've learned is uh, Indiana has some similarities to Iowa in terms of a good, a good portion of our land, land being used for agriculture. Uh, but we have a uh, we have a, a state uh, of diversity. Uh, we have a state where we have lots of small membership congregations. Uh, I'm I'm, think, I'm talking particularly United Methodist, but other churches are in similar situations. But we also are located in in all of the all of the counties in the state of Indiana, uh, and we we have a strong commitment to to missions, not only local missions but missions globally. And that's, I found that to be a strong part of the character of Methodists in the state of Indiana, a strong commitment to missions, hands-on missions, as well as uh, uh, generosity. So I, I fully anticipate in the current time in which we're living with the devastation in Texas and on, uh, as a result of Hurricane Harvey, that Indiana will, will probably help lead the way in terms of generosity in responding to this uh, this um, disaster of, of some have said of epic and biblical proportions in terms of the flooding. Yeah, well, uh, certainly the expectation would be uh, when you mentioned missions, uh, orientation, missions, giving, missions, involvement, uh, people seem to be stepping forward and mm -hmm. being engaged and involved. Absolutely, and that, that you, you asked me what have I learned, that one of, one of the things I've learned is that people are not uh, are not hesitant about responding when there is a need and a story is told as to why we need to respond as Christians and as Methodists in Indiana. Uh, uh, lay people and clergy uh, have, a, have a heart for, for service and, and that's consistent with our Wesleyan heritage. Yeah, a heart for service, absolutely. Well, what would you say after learning, learning these things about the state of the church in Indiana, what do you see moving forward? What would be your vision moving forward for what God can do through the United Methodist Church here in the city, the city of Indiana? Well, my hope is, uh, my hope and vision is that that uh, we will become uh, a conference and a collection of churches, a community of churches, as we shared in our most recent conference, where we where we focus on um, how together the connection itself makes us more powerful and a more relevant witness. So our hope, my hope, is that 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 our churches will become fully missional, uh, not not overly, uh, uh, how should I say, parochial in terms of our own survival, concern mm, about our own right. survival, but see uh, see our witness as as being fully missional, being engaged in our communities and understanding that our communities are made up of neighbors that may not necessarily look, look all look the same or mm. look like we look. Right. And may not all have uh, uh, be in the same uh, socio-economic uh, state that we're in. So I'll celebrate as we become more missional and become less uh, concerned about survival, institutional survival, and even even local church survival. Although, though I recognize that's a reality, sure. keeping the doors open, uh, um, keeping the heat on in the winter time, and so forth. But I think at the end of the day, it's about relationships, our relationship with Christ, our relationship with, uh, with our neighbors. Well, given what you're sharing about this relationship aspect and about being even more missional, moving out to our communities, 
Uh, what are some glory sightings that you've seen that you've observed in the church? What are some good news stories that you may have seen that are out there? Well, you know, I, I, I'd heard so much about the opioid addiction, and I'd been to several uh, in, in the Southwest District and other places where that I've talked with local pastors and congregations. Uh, one of my questions was, well, is the church, are we responding at all in any ways? And then I was, uh, when I was in the north Northwest uh, District and Northeast area of the state, I was uh, uh, had an opportunity to meet with people who were part of Brianna's Hope, mm. uh, which is a which is a movement, uh, church-based movement, of of helping people in recovery, um, faith-based recovery, uh, and support, getting people uh, the kind of medical help they need, and then providing them a community of support that allows people to have life beyond, apart from uh, uh, addiction. And they seem to be doing, um, there, there are numerous chapters, I guess, bring, uh, 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 that are continuing to grow. That's one, one of the glory sightings, glory sightings is to see that people, that we are addressing things, and sometimes it doesn't make the headlines, but local, co local congregations and communities are finding ways to work with other churches, not necessarily in their own denomination, right. but to work with other churches to find um, uh, Christian responses to, 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 to current challenges and problems. Sounds like that's a partnership with other, say, social service agencies, perhaps even with government or with uh, other outreach agencies that we can work together with them. Absolutely, in, in terms of uh, with the services that are available in the various counties, uh, uh, mental health services, medical services, uh, but the faith, the faith community is a is a major major player in in, in the Brianna's Hope ministry. That is one example. Uh, um, as I've traveled around the state, I've seen a, 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 a significant commitment that we have to feeding people and not trying to do it solely by just handing out uh, baskets of groceries, but finding ways for congregations and uh, and interfaith communities to work together to address the whole issue of, uh, of uh, food deserts and and uh, hunger in the state of Indiana uh, so so this this was um, you know I kind of anticipated that you know we, we, we would have churches that provided meals which we do but we have churches that are, are trying to do more than just provide meals and more than just provide groceries but actually provide connection for for people in various communities and some of this doesn't make the make the news stories or the headlines, sure. uh, but churches are, are are finding ways to be um, connected to their communities. So a little bit more than just the uh, uh, urgent need, mm -hmm. more of a uh, more of a sustaining, mm -hmm. ongoing ministry. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, in our churches, as you, as you mentioned, those faith communities being impactful in their communities, our our overall mission as the United Methodist Church is. is to make well, disciples. Make disciples. <laughs> of Michael, Jesus Christ. Yeah. For the? For the transformation of the world. And I think trans transforming the world uh, is uh, sometimes we say, wow, that's a pretty, pretty big, uh, pretty big uh, challenge. But we have to begin where we are. And so Indiana's part of the world. I often tell people, I said, well, Indiana's part of the world. So see if we can transform this, this neighborhood, transform uh, what is our impact in this county, what is our impact in... Uh, in this particular uh, uh, area as it relates to uh, whatever the challenges may be. Mm -hmm. There are so many people who are without hope 
And I think uh, uh, our, our conference focus a year ago was on, on being hope. Right. And that's not something, as I shared with someone not long ago, that's not something that comes with a period. We don't just stop being hope because it's no longer a theme for a conference. That if the church uh, uh, at its best, I, I think, is a means of grace, and that's my understanding of, 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 our, of our Methodist and United Methodist heritage, that the church must also be an instrument and a means of God's, of God's grace. And it's not just doing uh, acts of mercy and charity, but also being engaged in acts of justice and love and, uh, and uh, calling us uh, to, to repentance and service as well. You mentioned acts of mercy and of grace and mm -hmm. of justice and mm -hmm. of love. And, and I know that uh, one of the things you, you like to address and the phrase you like to use is to be, uh, to be encouraged or mm -hmm. be, be an encourager. Uh, and yet we live in some discouraging times at times, we don't do. we? And so how can the, in your view, how can the church be an encourager or be a voice of, uh, of justice, of mercy and grace in a very, uh, in an intentional way in, in times that are, that are challenging these days? Mm -hmm. And I know you've been involved with some matters in writing and speaking in these areas, but can you say more about this? Well, I, th I think that, uh, um, one of the one of the uh, definitions of, of 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 justice that I really like is um, uh, is is that justice is love in the public square. Hmm. So uh, it's one thing to say, and in, in, in First John, the, the, the passage says you can't you can't say that you love God, whom you have not seen, and and fail to speak to your neighbor and love your neighbor who you see every day. So I think justice and love go hand in hand and so for me to speak out on issues of, of justice um, to say that we as christians and methodists united methodists decry uh, uh, and denounce hatred and anti-semitism and and uh, and uh, neo-nazism and 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 racial hatred and division is is consistent with us saying that i love god who, uh, who uh, according to the creation stories, has, uh, has created us in, in God's own image. And so if we've been made in God's image and the handprint of God, God's grace and mercy has been placed upon us, then we can't say that we love God and then find ways to hate people based upon the color of their skin or the accent in which they speak with. So um, I think justice and love are, uh, are go hand in hand and uh, it's not just it's not uh, um, sufficient for us even to just speak on these things but also to make a commitment to engage in relationship building with people um, uh, wherever we wherever we encounter encounter and part of that relationship building being engaged i know that recently you were involved with a uh, march for justice with some other faith leaders. Um, tell me more about that in terms of how how things like this can be a manifestation of what you're speaking about being the embodiment of faith and love and justice. Yeah, but I think, uh, and, I, and I've written about this too, that I think fear and, uh, uh, and uh, uh, suspicion and uh, xenophobia, the, the, the fear of, of people that we don't know or don't experience uh, is, is been, been so much 
so much promoted in recent years that we have forgotten that we have so much more in common than we do have by way of difference. So I was invited actually by a, 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 a pastor in Chicago who started a ministry with me. We both started out of the same congregation and he's now serving a Baptist church and he began, he began in the Methodist church and, and invited me to come and said, listen, there's a, there's a march and there'll be faith leaders from all kinds of, uh, from different denominations and the march is really to focus on the, the need for us not to retreat on the kinds of things that Dr. Martin Luther King had marched on in 1963 uh, um, in terms of uh, jobs, in terms of justice, in terms of uh, love, overcoming hatred and division. And that this is not a time for us to go back, go backwards as it relates to uh, um, our work for those who are the least, the lost and the unlucky. Uh, in, in, in this current atmosphere now, there is almost no conversation about the poor. Mm. There's, there's very little conversation about the homeless. There's very little conversation about how hate speech is becoming normalized and, and that that is something that those of us in the faith community can never uh, sit by silently and allow. No room for complacency when yeah. uh, hate speech comes to the forefront, is there? Absolutely. There's no room for complacency. And, and uh, one person, uh, I saw a sign that said silence equals uh, uh, um, assent. That, you know, if we, are, if we are silent on certain things, then basically we're given a vote of saying this is, this is okay. So I, I, was, I was inspired to, to march uh, with over 3,000 ministers. There were lay, lots of lay people there too, and I had a chance to meet some Jewish rabbis and um, even to, to walk close by those who, of the Sikh religion yeah. uh, who were part of this march for peace and justice in Washington, D.C. Wow, how, how impressive is that? That's one way we, that you have spoken and connected with other folks about mm -hmm. speaking uh, up about it matters of, of, uh, of justice issues and love and grace and speaking against hate speech and so on. And that's into the, for the greater good. And yet even in our own United Methodist uh, Fellowship, we have our own challenges, don't we? We do. We have our, we have our challenges. Uh, the, the one that, 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 that often we uh, have, as some say, we've been wrestling with for over 40 years is around uh, what constitutes uh, a United Methodist Church when we have people of the LGBT community who are saying that we have language in our in our book of laws, our, bu our book of discipline, that is, uh, for some would say we have contradictory language, language that says we, we welcome in all people, all people are of sacred worth, but there are certain categories of persons and behavior or, uh, uh, or choices that we have, we have uh, determined by our, by our legislative process that are not acceptable or, or out of, or, or, or in violation of our covenant and our, and our rules. And so that is still uh, um, a challenge before us. Uh, it's been a challenge at our, at our quadrennial meetings for uh, since I've been ordained and prior to being ordained. And it's been, a, and been an even greater challenge since I've been elected a bishop. So 
for me, it's about how can we experience unity and grace for all people, and yet we have a church in which we have people uh, in the same congregation, the same denomination, the same conference, who, who are not of one mind, particularly on the issue of, of human sexuality. Now, there are others who also argue that, uh, that the, 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 recent act, the recent things that have happened in our country, including Charlottesville and, and other places, indicates that in the, in the faith community and in the country too, we still have issues of race, which was one of our, what some would say our last big division was around race and maybe, maybe we still haven't resolved all of that as well. Well, on this line, you know, we, we use a, a, a phrase in our United Methodist world uh, called the way forward. Mm -hmm. And I'm just really interested in your take on what you think is being meant by this phrase, a way forward, and then what do you see as a way forward in terms of tackling some of these issues that you've just unpacked for mm -hmm. us a minute ago? What do we mean by a way forward, and in your opinion, what is the way forward? Mm -hmm. I think by the way forward, we mean that, uh, that if our mission is as we have accepted and adopted and claimed and proclaimed without apology, to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. The way forward is, is, the, is the question and the, and the answer to the question of how can we actually uh, live into the future uh, as a church and make disciples around the world as a global church and transform the world uh, uh, so that indeed we, we, the, the reign of God would be experienced uh, everywhere that we we speak, live, and, and have our being. Uh, so the way forward is what what is the future? Uh, what is the future for the United Methodist Church and its witness uh, uh, in the future? Uh, if in fact we are at an impasse around human sexuality, and I think that the way forward is uh, is is uh, not only a commission commission on the way forward that will bring a recommendation about what the future might be, but also uh, a, 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 preferred, a preferred movement that actually is, it finds, finds us all together uh, transforming the world in the name of Jesus Christ. I can't, I'm not good at predicting. Every, some people say that there is going to be some kind of schism or division at the end of the day and the re recommendation that will come in 2019. Uh, I, uh, my prayer is that we will stay together as a United Methodist Church and find ways that even um, allow for, for differences and for us still to remain a United Methodist. Uh, uh, I, don't have a, I don't have a proposal, uh, nor have I uh, put together a proposal, but I have been praying fervently, and I've invited those of uh, lay and clergy in the Indiana conference to pray for the way forward and that with that God would direct the way forward. Mm -hmm. I, I'm a little bit leery in the, in, in the, uh, leery around thinking that we can have, pull together smart people and faithful people and just say, uh, you know, you'll negotiate a way forward. I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not in favor okay. of believing that we can negotiate our way forward, but I do believe in miracles and glory sightings as you sure. invited me to talk about. So when I think about the things that have happened in the past, 
I do know that God is still in the miracle working business. So my prayer is that I will still remain a bishop in the church uh, and I'll be, I'll be a bishop in the United Methodist Church. And there may be some people as a result of the recommendations, whatever that might be, that say, listen, I can no longer live with this. But I hope that what comes out of it is, is that we still will have a church called the United Methodist Church where the vast majority of those of us who are right now in the United Methodist Church remain together in the United Methodist Church. And that's a preferred vision that you have, and many have, I know, to remain intact as a United Methodist Church. Yet there are those who say we are just at an impasse, that mm -hmm. it just, it's just not going to work. Mm -hmm. It's just not going to work. Mm -hmm. And something has to give. Mm -hmm. uh, what, and I'm sure in your conversations here in Indiana and in your connections uh, as a bishop of the United Methodist Church and especially uh, uh, internationally and so on, that these conversations are taking place all the time. Mm -hmm. Very serious, very heartfelt conversations, mm -hmm. very heartbreaking conversations mm -hmm. at times. What is your uh, response or conversation to those who just say that there's just no way, there's mm -hmm. just no way that this, this impasse has to lead to some sort of a some sort of a division. What do you share with those folks when you have those conversations? Well, uh, I well, I, I usually raise I raise the question. I mean, do do we do we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of prayer? If we do, uh, then do we know for certain that that there could not possibly be a way that we haven't thought of? Mm. Uh, could there, you know, could back to the miracles you were yeah, saying? Back to the miracles, yeah. and also, you know, I mean, who? Who do we vote off the island? I don't mean I don't mean to be flipping about that, but I think it's true about, though, yeah. But I think about that, you know, and I have a big family, and I said I don't want I don't want to vote anybody out of my my biological family, you know, most of most who are heterosexual, but you know I don't want to vote those you know who are not heterosexual in my family out of the family. So well, we're no longer gonna when we have family reunions, you're not invited. Yeah. When we have family reunions, you're not invited, and so that gets serious, doesn't it? It gets, that, that gets very serious and very, very personal. Yeah, and I think when we look at it, that I, I never forget preaching, Brad, several years ago. I was in Iowa, and afterwards, the, the, the lady came up to me. She said, "That was a great message on love, Bishop." She said, "But I want to know, do you love my son, uh, who grew up in this church, was confirmed in this church, was baptized in this church?" And if he came back to this church today, everyone would embrace him. But he's no longer worshiping in the United Methodist Church. He's in California, not worshiping in any church because he's gay. And so he said, you know, uh, this church nurtured him. He went to Methodist camps. He, he said, but now he, as he understands the church, uh, that he is not, his, his life and his, his life and his love are no longer, um, accepted in our church uh, because it's considered outside of Christian teaching and Christian witnessing. And my response was, you know, I, I, I would love your son and I would hope that he would find a bishop and a pastor who would love and welcome him as this local church did. Uh, and she said, I know if he came back here because everybody knows him, he would be welcomed. But he, she said, but as a, as a member of the United Methodist Church, uh, and she remains a member. She said, "I don't think we we are welcoming of all people." Okay. So I didn't really have a good answer. Yeah, for I think that's part of the issue. We yeah. don't have any good answers here, yeah. do we? Yeah. And yeah. I think what you share there that the uh, that the person involved, the the son of the person you're referring to, 
so that he didn't feel welcome. Right. And so that's the key thing is mm -hmm. how do we, if we are, uh, going back to our earlier uh, conversation about mm -hmm. the mission of the church mm -hmm. to be transformational, are we mm -hmm. to be transformational to, to all people mm -hmm. or just select yeah. ones? So, yeah. Wow. And, I, you know, I, my prayer often always is that uh, hopefully I'll be on the right side of history, uh, but, but I, I, my prayer is to be faithful more than successful. And so sometimes I've been accused of, of, of trying to be neutral, and my desire is not to be neutral but to be faithful. But I, I have, you know, as a, as a consecrated bishop in the Methodist Church, I said this when I, when I was elected, that I would uphold the Book of Discipline, uphold our rules and regulations, and I've attempted to do that. Um, but at the same time, promote unity. One of the things, when we're consecrated as bishops, we're, one of our major charges is to lead, a, lead the church in temporal and, temporal and administrative matters uh, and spiritual and temporal matters but also, but to first and foremost, promote the unity of the church in Christ. So how do you promote the unity and at the same time uh, recognize that there are some things that we cannot do that's, according that's to That's the crux our, of our paradox, our yeah, dilemma, isn't it? It yeah. is. It yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Given all that, you still believe in the church, don't you? I do. I'm a, <laughs> that's, I'm a believer of the church. I'm a believer of the United Methodist Church. Yeah. Uh, and, and for me, I, I heard my pastor say this years ago when I was... Uh, in seminary, uh, for him, and I say this for me, it's the best of all Protestant possibilities. I married a Baptist. My wife now, my wife's more United Methodist than I am, okay. but 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 uh, she, she and she got uh, when she went to um, to New York to Global Global Ministries and saw the ways in which we were impacting the the world through Christ. For example, even in our response as it's going to be to uh, the Hurricane Harvey and Tropical Storm through UMCOR, but also through the connection of volunteers, the volunteers and mission, people who at, at the right time were from Indiana and other places will go and descend upon those communities where they're, when they call and invite help. Um, so for me, the United Methodist Church, with its flaws and imperfections, is the best of all Protestant possibilities. I don't knock other religions sure, or other denominations. In fact, I've been enriched as I've had an opportunity to be in fellowship and communion with, with Catholics and Episcopalians and Presbyterians. Uh, but this is the church that I, that, I, that I was brought up in, and it's the church that, that, that called me and Sure. And, and or license me for ministry. When is a time when you saw either a local United Methodist Church or some ministry of the United Methodist Church in action, and you just said, "Wow, mm -hmm. that is the church. Mm -hmm. That is like the biblical mm -hmm. understanding of church. There it is in action." Can you describe a, a situation such as that? Well, I can think of a number of situations like that, including situations where. Uh, uh, here, here in Indiana where folks have decided that these children uh, uh, who are not part of a church are, are part of our church anyway. Okay. And so where churches have literally said we're going to create a ministry uh, where, where the children can find a place uh, where we provide, we, we provide uh, a place for them to gather, a place for them to be fed, a place for them to, to be loved on. Uh, and uh, and when I've seen a couple of places where we decided, where churches have decided 
every every child can go to have a camping experience whether they can afford it or not okay so there there are any number of places where I have felt like wow this is just the church being the church um, uh, when when we decide that the church is to be given away as as Pope Francis has said you know really the church the purpose of a the Christian witnesses for us to give ourselves to give our churches away to the community. Absolutely, and I've seen that happen in, in, in a number of places. So you think the world needs the church, don't you? I think the world needs the church, and uh, we have something to offer the world that the world can get no other place. Uh, salvation in Jesus Christ, but relationship without apology that 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 makes love real in real time. You, you recently uh, wrote that we must remember that the world needs the church and we need the world and neither can survive without the other. Absolutely, absolutely. That's a powerful, uh, powerful statement there. And having said that, you know, there's um, great challenges in our church, great challenges in our world. And, and yet one of the things that you have shared as a sign off on the things you write and you say that, I hear you say this, personally on a more than uh, on an occasional matter is be encouraged or be an encourager mm. what would you say to that discouraged pastor or mm. that discouraged church in the middle of a harsh world mm. what is your encouraging word as a bishop of the United Methodist Church mm. to that pastor to that church that's discouraged mm. well I, I would say to the pastor or to the church that's discouraged that I think one of the best definitions of faith uh, is that faith is accepting that we've already been accepted. So the hard work has, has really been done. It may seem like the, all the hard work we're, is dependent on us, but Jesus Christ on the cross, uh, uh, Jesus Christ's uh, life, death, and resurrection uh, is not just something we sing about or we uh, preach about, but it's real. Uh, and I would say, you know, be, the reason I say be encouraged is because God loves us, and there's nothing we can do about it but okay. love others. There you go. Uh, yeah. And uh, grace, grace for me is is basically God's love with your name on it, Brad. So, mm. so it's like wearing a wearing a name tag uh, with your name on it that says, "God loves me." There's nothing anyone can do about that and take <laughs> take away from me. So, uh, it's sometimes we can get discouraged, and I think and, and when I get discouraged, it's because I think it's is, it's dependent on me. Mm. Uh, change and transformation is dependent on me. I think change and transformation is dependent on our participation, right. but not solely dependent on us. And that's what, what we believe in the, in the it's church. It's no longer dependent on us. It takes some of the pressure off. Absolutely. And we recognize it's not all, the, all, it's not all dependent. In fact, most of it is not dependent on us. Right. But, but it is dependent on us being available, making ourselves available to God, making ourselves available for prayer making ourselves available to be in relationship with others. That's when I can say that uh, my mission is to encourage all people with the love of Jesus Christ to rise to their highest potential. Having said that, how you encourage others, who or what situations are encouraging to you these days? Perhaps a book you've read or someone you've been around or what is encouraging and sustaining to you? Well, I think a lot of, there's been a lot of uh, uh, Voices and and uh, um, most recently uh, participating in the Global Leadership Summit, and just uh, there are a lot of good voices uh, who are lifting things that have encouraged me. I'm reading a book entitled Mastering Civility, uh, 
uh, and it's about increasing civility in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just realized that sometimes I, I, I had a very low, low bar for civility. I thought as long as you weren't rude or didn't do anything to hurt someone, that was really being civil. But really civility is, is more proactive in the sense of uh, giving encouraging uh, uh, words to others, uh, treating people with dignity on purpose, respecting the, the person who's cleaning the hallway or mm. the restrooms. Yes. Uh, acknowledging people, uh, even we see people homeless, and at, at some point we almost become numb to that, where we look away and we don't we drive past. I see a lot of that in Indianapolis. Sure. Uh, and then I realize I said well, I, I shouldn't look away because that's a child of God. And Absolutely. whether I'm, whether I'm going to give something that time or not, that's a child. I can always say a prayer. Lord bless this person. So I, I think uh, I'm encouraged. Uh, and particularly when I see children and uh, young people who who uh, have a vision of the world that's not as not as jaded as my own, it's not not as stained and pessimistic. Uh, I have a little niece who's uh, two and a half years old, Amira, and she her whenever you, she's around, it's just like you're up. It's like medicine. She, she lights you up, doesn't she? She lights you up, and I yeah. think I said she has such a a joy-filled view of the world at this point. She's got loving parents. Uh, she's not hungry at night, uh, but she, she approaches life in such a joy-filled, un, unjudgmental way. And I think about all of the little prejudices I carry along with me and the, uh, uh, the things that bring angst in my own life. I said, you know, we need to be, as Jesus told us, to be like little children. There you go. Uh, and in that way, I think we can, we can encourage our own selves. Actually, be encouraged and be an encourager. Absolutely. And the witness of uh, be like be like the, the little children. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What well, is one more thing? You you mentioned a lot about relationships and how important that they are mm -hmm. within the church, within the community, and so on. But oftentimes relationships get down to just being friends, doesn't it? Absolutely. Just being being absolutely. friend friendly and friend, having a friend uh, friendship relationship mm -hmm. with folks. If a person, or let's say a couple, was going to join you and your wife for dinner or a social occasion. Uh, in terms of building a relationship, in terms of building that personal relationship, let's say you're going out to dinner, having dinner together. What are we having? What are you having for dinner? <laughs> What's your kind of your great dinner with uh, some friends? And what do we? What activity are you doing, or what are you talking about? What's the evening going to be like? Well, uh, probably. Uh, uh, some barbecue ribs someplace oh, man. <laughs> uh, or or you know go someplace where there's uh, there's uh, I, I can't eat seafood but go someplace where they offer seafood because I know my wife loves seafood and others lots of people do like seafood uh, so places where there's a variety of uh, dishes offered uh, and recently we've been going to places uh, where where they like farm to table these is kind of new things. oh yeah right. farm to table I'm restaurant that, right yeah and uh, where, where local local food is grown. Uh, we like to go to movies, so we, you know, a movie and conversation or, or, or museum, uh, museums, uh, we love going to museums and we've been doing, doing the art museum here for the most part so far. Uh, so those are the kinds of things that we, we like. We like to travel, we're, we're doing a trip, another trip to the Holy Land come January and we're looking forward to, that'll be an opportunity for lay persons and some clergy.
and you know, to, to when you're together for 10, 10 days, you get to know people a little bit in, in a different way. So we're looking forward to that. Absolutely. Well, building relationships is where it's at, both with Christ and mm -hmm. with one another. Absolutely. So, and in that whole process, to be encouraged and to be an encourager. So that's that's the message that I'm getting from uh, you today, Bishop Trimble. Is there anything else you wanted to share? Well, I'm I, I'm just in, as I engage Indiana, uh, I recognize how uh, how so many people are living uh, without a word of encouragement. And I want to say to people who will be listening to this podcast to know that God loves you. That's not debatable. It doesn't require a vote of the Congress. It doesn't require a, a, an act of the Department of Treasury. Uh, God loves you, and that's, uh, that's beyond uh, denomination, uh, and it's beyond uh, race or creed. And uh, that we can do a much better job of, of treating each other with the kind of respect. I had a, a local lay person that used to remind me, Pastor, you're a child of the Most High God, and uh, that would just lift my spirits. Uh, and I'd like to say that to those listening, that you are a child of the Most High God. Many thanks to our guest today on the Hoosier United Methodist Podcast, Bishop Julius Tremble. I, uh, I learned a lot. And I hope that you did too in our conversation. And I learned a lot about the passion our bishop has for the church and for the church as a moving forward and making an impact into our communities. I hope that you heard him lifting up like the uh, uh, Brianna's Way as uh, one of the ministries that is happening in, in the Brianna's Hope, one of the ministries that's happening in some of our churches. It has to do with children and youth and people uh, dealing with uh, opioid, opioid addictions and so on, and how many of the missions and ministries that he lifts up have to do with children and learning from them and hunger and justice issues, and how his passion is there for the church to be effective in making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And that there's no place in what we have for fear and suspicion uh, to uh, overcome us, as is many of the cases in our world right, right now. And he speaks against that about we need to have look for what we have in common. And part of that, I hope you heard our conversation about Bishop Trimble's take on a way forward and how he understands that uh, and we have some real challenges before us, but he is looking for places where there can be unity and oneness, and he certainly hopes that as we move forward that we can find uh, a way that is uh, for a continued witness of the United Methodist Church and that we can find that way that we can understand one another, appreciate one another, and still move forward with our overall mission of, to, of transforming the world with the power and love of Jesus Christ and still make allowances for differences. That's, I think that's important for us to learn and to understand about a way forward. I might uh, share with you that on our sister podcast, the United Methodist People podcast, which you can find at unitedmethodistpodcast.com and on iTunes, we'll be having a series of messages from other bishops and leaders in the church over the next year or so about uh, the way forward. will be a special series of messages about the way forward as our church approaches our special uh, called General Conference in 2019, which will deal, deal with that issue. And I encourage you to uh, take a listen to some of our uh, issues of our podcast, which will be there beginning with 
uh, with Bishop Trimble's uh, sharing as well. That's one of the, some of the things I really, really want to do here on the Hoosier United Methodist podcast is tell, tell stories. We're telling our story about uh, uh, Bishop Trimble here today, about what he has to offer. But we all have great stories to tell in our church, and we, all of our churches and our pastors and our people can make impacts in our community. You heard the story about how Bishop Trimble told about people in the churches, about the woman who had a, a son who didn't feel welcomed because of his sexual orientation, and how the church did step up to be welcoming uh, in a particular case. There's all kinds of stories like that. There's all kinds of stories about how we can move forward with grace and love. And this is a place here at the Who's United Methodist podcast where we can tell stories, where we can tell the stories that strengthen the connection and not look for what divides us, but we'll look for what unites us together. So you can find our, uh, our issues of the Who's United Methodist podcast at our website, HoosierUnitedMethodist.com. And you can check us out at Facebook.com slash HoosierUnitedMethodist. And that's where you can also contact me if you've got a great story to tell. And we can uh, certainly share that on our regular broad, uh, regular podcast episodes of the Hoosier United Methodist podcast, where it continues to be our mission to strengthen the connection in the United Methodist Church in the state of Indiana for the purpose of fulfilling our mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. You can also get a, get a free gift that we have for you if you join our newsletter list by going to HoosierUnitedMethodist.com. We have a presentation for you there, a video presentation called The Wesleyan Way, which is an introduction to Wesleyan theology that you can use for your own benefit or some teaching setting. You, may, you can find that helpful. That's our free gift for you. Just go to the website and sign up for the newsletter. You'll be kept up to date on some of the goings-on with the Hoosier United Methodist podcast, some of our upcoming guests, and so on. So that's going to be about do it for our broadcast, for our podcast episode today. I'm Reverend Dr. Brad Miller, and we come to you on a regular basis on the Hoosier United Methodist podcast to share the good news of Jesus Christ through telling the stories of the United Methodist Church, where we always follow in the example of Jesus Christ and the founder of Methodism, John Wesley, who implores us to continue to do all the good we can. Thank you for listening to the Hoosier United Methodist podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. We challenge you to be an active listener by subscribing and becoming a vital member of the Hoosier United Methodist podcast community. Visit us on the web at HoosierUnitedMethodist.com and chat with other members at Facebook.com slash Hoosier United Methodist. Until next time, continue to make disciples and transform the world.